We are Wrestling Elitists. I'm your co-host, Alex Gibson, alongside the CFO, the Chief Fun Officer, Chris Scott Moore, and the man of a thousand macros, Sean Nash. What's going on, boys? I'm definitely macroed up. How'd you feel about the uh, NFL draft this uh, this last weekend? Looks there's, like there's, you're uh, you're rocking the Honolulu Blue tonight, huh? There's winners and losers, and we were definitely winners for once. So, feels good. The city of Plymouth won. Aiden Hutchinson is a hometown Plymouth boy. Born and raised. We appreciate everyone continuing to support us by listening weekly. Uh, last week, I think we had a really good showing of uh, downloads. Everyone was excited to see Chris come back healthy and strong. Uh, if you'd like to continue supporting the podcast in other ways, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share it with fellow wrestling fans. Follow us on Twitter as well as Instagram at Wrestling Elitist. And also check out our website, WrestlingElitist.com, for our latest match reviews and articles my latest article will be coming out on Wednesday, um, starting a new series where I'll kind of go through and talk about some up-and-coming indie guys or even just lesser-known people on TV like Impact or something like that that I think people should be keeping an eye out on. Uh, and this one is going to be starting with one of my favorites that I recently discovered, and it's uh, the one and only Ninja Mac. Uh, so after a week filled with NFL drafting, we are hard launching ourselves into the road to double or nothing and uh, looking forward to discussing it all with you boys today. So, Sean, can you please let the listeners know what our agenda is? Yeah, but going back to last week real quick, I think someone laid down some sick vocals to to kick us off and take us home at the end. So please let us know if you need more of that. Yeah, and by the way, talking about that, so we have a new punishment for the next person who <laughs> says, uh, Brian Danielson, you'll ha- you have to dress up like Chris Angel and perform street you magic. Have to, and we'll you have to do what that, he did at on the night two of the draft. You have to suspend <laughs> it. Hang upside down and the Houdini twirl around a bit. Do that shit. But uh, we always give you our match moments, news items, and cringeworthy items of the week, and then leave you off with what we're looking forward to. Some breaking news as we kind of get into recording the last few hours, so I'm sure we'll hit that later on, but quite a week, quite a week. Thank you kindly, Sean. Well, let's uh, let's head right into it. Let's go match of the week first. Chris, what did you have as your match of the week? Yeah, my match of the week was the Battle of FTR. I liked uh, Dax versus Cash. It was a four-star match. Um, I liked that this was obviously a tribute and a throwback to Owen Hart. There was a little bit of it as uh, felt almost like a beyond a homage and a pastiche, almost into like a cover of some of the greatest hits between Brett and Owen and Brett and Bulldog and then even Brett and Benoit and the Owen tribute. Um, just skipping ahead to it, uh, the end of the match. They uh, did, did they did a sequence where they tried to do power bombs on each other. Uh, they did some pile drivers on each other. And that's when Punk finally hit the, uh, the notion that, hey, these guys are tag champions. Should they really be hurting each other? Should they be going at it this strong? But reinforcing how much that these guys care about the Owen Hart tournament. Um, they went to the outside. They came in together at a nine count. And uh, Cash's knee was messed up. And then Dax went to put the sharpshooter on him, was a little bit hesitant because he's his tag team partner. Um, in that moment of hesitation, Cash did an inside cradle. He reversed it and Dax got the win. Um, I love that this match told the story though, that these guys really do genuinely care about each other. And if you haven't had a chance to watch it, watch the uh, road to dynamite preview. They did before and on like social media. I think it was on Twitter and then it was on YouTube, um, but they did a great like seven or eight minute video about how great of friends they are, how much they love each other, why they want to win the tournament um, and how much Owen Hart means to them as not only wrestlers, but just good family men as well. So they had a great storyline coming into it. I wish they would have leaned into 
more of the fact that they're tag champions and they don't want to hurt each other because of the tremendous run that they're on. I thought that could have been um, more of the story as opposed to just kind of the homages to the Hart family. But it was still a great match nonetheless. And the crowd was totally into it and they had a banger of a match and they didn't do any crazy shit. It was just storyline, smart stuff, reversals, and everything had a point to what they were doing. So that was my match of the week. Uh, by an overwhelming margin. What did you guys think of the yeah, match? Yeah, I actually had it as my match of the week as well. I thought it was good. And I think that you hit the nail on the head with it kind of walking towards it being a cover match rather than a, a cover song of a match type of a thing rather than truly its own standing thing. Um, I will also be a little bit honest in the fact that I didn't catch quite everything. I, I caught a couple of you know small small things. And then I saw that uh, somebody put out like a basically like a one or two minute clip of all the different things that they were basically uh, redoing essentially. And so once I saw that, then it kind of, so that kind of retroactively to me, gave me that feeling rather than like in the moment I didn't, wasn't catching all of that. Um, but I still thought it was great. I think it lived up to what we would have expected exactly, uh, FTR, you know, one-on-one singles match to be, I love the idea of this being their only match that they ever have against each other. Um, you could tell that it, it meant a lot to Dax and cash, both, in the ring, the way that they kind of reacted to each other afterwards. And then just seeing them on uh, Twitter after as well, just talking about how, you know, it was a three part thing really where, you know, it kind of starts um, with the wrestling and then the uh, having kind of, it kind of getting more brutal, but then having the clothes and everything like that. Dax talked about that. Um, so I, I think it was good. Um, exactly what I would have expected. I had it as a four star match. What about you, Sean? It was a fun match, great way to kick off. I loved the way they came down to the ring together. Same same entrance, just different sides. Yeah. So cool. They were both staggered off. They both kind of had their own little time to to get the camera shine. Just perfect. They And even in the match, they had the moments where they kind of would have thrown a little heel move. There was the finger poke that slowed things down. The wave in the no, like Brett, I think it was Brett did to Owen when he had him in the arm swivel or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, Owen, Owen did it to Brett when he did yeah. that. Yeah, and he looked up at him WrestleMania 10. That was the first thing I noticed, even though I had um I had a I had a glass of Chardonnay Ooh. that night. Uh <laughs> you. Chardonnay being a euphemism for um how many beers I drank. But no, uh that was the first thing that I caught was like, oh, they're doing the Brett WrestleMania yeah. 10 spot. Yeah. That's awesome. Great. And it works so well for them being tag partners and just the relationship and friendship that they have. So it was great. Um like you said in the text groups, it was very much a, a cover song of that match. And I kind of wanted just to give my match of the week showing of the week uh, to uh, people who kind of just did it of their own own accord with Darby Allen and uh, Swerve. Uh, love the Pacific Northwest, love Washington, and these two boys are are, are straight from there. So perfect. They had a great showing for the, the area. Um their ability to just seamlessly move from inside outside the ring, just continuing the action, flawless. They're mm-hmm. two of the best at it. Um, I don't understand truly how like Darby's stunner does any more damage outside the ring than it would in the ring to him. So I would kind of stop doing that. That's <laughs> not going to do good things for your body, we've learned. Um, but there are so many things that happened outside of this match that kind of just made it over overall great to me this week with... The way uh, Ricky Starks just kind of like sauntered down to the ring, perfect and staying, turning the corner, stopping him in his tracks, no fuckery. Quick pinfall after that, kind of not the not the ending that I wanted to see, but later on we get to see that 
these two are clearly both going to run as face uh, when Swerve kind of neglected the extra five minutes that Darby was going to give him. Really kind of, in my mind, cemented that, okay, he's going to be a face. It kind of, there's moments where his, his mannerisms, tendencies don't always seem like they would go that way, but I can't wait to see it. And uh, just, they both are just so goddamn fluid that I love it. I was going to say the same thing. It's amazing how fluid these two guys are. They are great dancing partners. Um, they seem to be at the same speed and everything they do clicks at exactly the same time. And I like again, the post-match of Darby offering five and Swerve's like, nope, we're cool. I get it. That's not your style. And I like that Swerve compliments Darby and like Darby, he can take a loss and it doesn't hurt his overall standings. Swerve's lost. So I think like, 50% of his matches so far, if Feels not like more. Um, but you wouldn't know. I mean, you have to look back and think about it, but he doesn't seem like a guy who's perpetually losing or getting jobbed out on his start. Um, him and Darby both have that capacity to stay over because they're doing great work. And Darby is on a hell of a run. He's had some great matches um, the last month. He's been doing really well in the ring. So hopefully he gets a featured spot at Double or Nothing. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything else that you two didn't already really add in there, but I, I loved the development of a- having the aftermatch uh, conversation where Darby does offer it up. Thought that it was a good touch right there. And uh, overall, I-, I can't wait to see where Swerve goes over the next six to 12 months. There have been rumors that Warner really sees them or sees him as a uh, potential kind of crossover star. And uh, I can absolutely see that. And-, and it definitely seems like even though he is taking losses, they're treating him. I uh, like somebody that they want to be important. So uh, great job to him and Darby. He might even go on a big show. <laughs> the oh, big show shit. even. Well, that's, oh. that's Man, him and Snoop Dogg hanging out, watching people's balls catch shit. on fire. It'll be great. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, Chris, you talk about balls, uh, fireballs and things like that. And that kind of puts us right into the uh, moment of the week. So I appreciate the uh, little bit of a segue, even though I kind of fumbled it there on the transition. Let's go right into it. No, it's okay because I was going to bring up the fact that I bet Jericho is going to like trademark great balls oh. of fire or balls <laughs> of rain or something along those lines because he just loves to trademark every little thing that he does. This was my moment of the week for sure. Uh, Jericho going old school at the fireball. It's funny for all of the, you know, weaponry and uh, tax and barbed wire and all that malarkey. They haven't used a fireball yet. At least this is the first time I remember one in two years. Uh, so they're pulling out things from the old school, Jericho being um, probably the only guy that's had any semblance of territory wrestling, uh, being in Smoky Mountain and having that mid or that Memphis influence uh, use that fireball perfectly. And it's such a great old school, silly, dumb thing that's safe, but dumb, um, but great. You know, it's like all those silly things at once. I love the fact, too, that they had that line during their duel off between the factions where they mention Eddie Kingston's eyebrows and like, you know what? They are perfectly fluffy and manicured. That is funny. And then it was like the moment they it cut to them backstage, I was like, Oh, they're going to do a fireball and burn his uh, eyebrows off. And then sure enough, that's what they did. Also want to give Jericho prop outs on those kick-ass boots. Like Elton John on a mountain of cocaine, maybe wouldn't have even wore those. So like that's impressive that he just had those on. I didn't those even catch great. him. Oh, I need to go back and look. Uh, this is this is Don't my moment sharp. too. Just with that, the his facials when Eddie Kingston like put the fear of God in him in the chair and he's just pinned back, 
Fantastic. Jericho is the king of just making you want to see him do something next after you, you've been sick with sick of him for weeks on end. Yeah. He, he even hits rampage and I don't want to hear his voice, but still I, this whole fireball thing was just so, so fucking good. The way the Matt, Maddie, whatever M dude out of the uh, M dog, Matt Menard, Matt Menard after the JAS, the way he comes around the corner and just, you want to scoop? I got it right over here in the the fireball. Perfect. Nearly had some friendly fire, pun intended. But thankfully, Jake Hager, no scars, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah. Good. Goodness gracious. That was a good uh, spot. Um, I enjoyed the whole thing. I enjoyed the promo kind of before it with the uh, having Eddie tell him that, you know, you don't say you're going to kill us and don't do it type of thing. Eddie, I, I, he continues to be one of those people that you're not really completely sure if he's a character or not. Um, also, I just love how quickly Eddie runs to the ring. Like, it's just like, it's a power walk. Like he would actually probably get um, disqualified in a power walking competition. It's a little bit too fast, but uh, I really enjoy watching him <laughs> uh, just kind of saunter his way down there. And then um, from the fire fireball and then Jericho electing himself as uh, sports entertainer of the week for the fireball. I loved that touch as well. Honestly. Yeah. I, <laughs> and then how he was kudos. in perpetual fear. At we, we, too. we are, you know, I think we're sufficiently sometimes, uh, you know, critical of Jericho and, and just kind of how tiring he can be, but man, when he's on, he's on. And I, this, this past week he was, he had it. So, um, my moment of the week could have easily been that, but also uh, I was really excited to see the return, the rise of Phoenix. Um, uh, he's been missing since what February, I think, when he dislocated his shoulder uh, back when uh, Jungle Express uh, won the titles. And I thought that they did a good job. Uh, you know, they it's almost like they kind of worked themselves out of that stupid outfit that. Uh, Alex Abrahantis has been wearing this Ooh. whole time. Like they almost made it seem like that was yeah. the plan the whole time. So it's worth. I it. think I think part of the reason it was my moment of the week is that I'm hoping that that means we're never going to see that stupid you know vampire cosplay again. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty obvious. Kind of for some reason there was something with the sound that you could tell that that wasn't him talking in the ring. Uh, so I instantly kind of caught what yeah. was going on there. Um, but it was great to see him. Phoenix is as crazy as ever with, you know, the way that he moves in the ring and everything. And I'm, I'm excited to see him and, uh, him and Penta back together to, uh, finally take down the house of black. It feels like this feud has been going on for uh, a whole year at this point, but, uh, just excited to have him back, especially at how brutal that injury looked. Yeah. You would have thought his arm was permanently broken or he wouldn't be back in for right. months and months and months on that. And so it's amazing that he got back as fast as he did and that it was a relatively clean injury. Uh, Cause that was one of the most gruesome looking sports injuries I've ever seen. That was, yeah, rough. that was uh reminiscent of uh, Willis McGahee in the uh, national championship. I felt like in terms Ooh, of grossness. Yeah. Oh, state. Poor guy. Poor guy. Yeah. Uh, this is, I'll, I'll definitely get into this later. Uh, it's definitely something I'm looking forward to uh, once they finally get to the, culmination of this feud absolutely uh well let's move into uh news of the week there was a couple of big things that happened uh sean mentioned at the top of the show there was some recent breaking news and i don't think any of us had this as our news of the week so i'll go ahead and just bring it up and we can kind of talk about it real quick uh roderick strong has uh supposedly requested his release from uh, wwe nxt uh he recently re-signed i think within the last six to eight months 
uh, with WWE, which I found to be shocking because I was right around the time that Adam Cole uh, made the jump. And then there was, I think, right after that, Bobby Fish got let go. Um, what were your guys' thoughts? Do you want to see him in AEW? Do you think we'll see him there or maybe ROH again, since that's kind of where he he made his uh, made his name? Sean? Um, I, I definitely think it makes sense that he would go to AEW. I, maybe he signed the contract a couple of months ago or whenever it was to just keep consistent money coming in with Marina kind of doing ind- independence and getting her feet wet out in the industry. But I think it just makes perfect sense for him to come to AEW. There's so much fantasy booking there. Uh, you have the inevitable breakup of Undisputed Era and the Elite. So all hopes there. Maybe he comes in through Ring of Honor, but I I think he's probably got some good cachet with the Bucks and uh, Excalibur. And so like, why would he not just come to AEW. Yeah, I'm assuming he would come to AEW too, and he can be part of Undisputed Elite. Um, certainly come to ROH, um, and maybe he can be the Undisputed Elite representative there. Uh, I would have asked for my release on Friday when all that shit was going down and just added my name to it or be like, hey, Johnny, can you send me my stuff and just see if they fuck up and make an accident and send you your release <laughs> or just ship out your 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 bag and your stuff in a trash bag. And, you know, maybe he could have got lucky that I, way. Um, I was going to say, I think from the on. report I saw, he actually had he requested it before Friday. So people oh, wow. so people oh, okay. were surprised that he didn't get to be a part okay. of that. Um, mm. but I'm sure it's only been increased for him with, um, I'll actually, you know, kind of hijack and go into my, uh, news because it kind of ties into what I'm going to say, uh, with Malcolm Bivens release because they were part of diamond mind together. Um, and I think one of the things that a lot of people talk about with Roddy has always been, they're not sure about his promo abilities. So there's nobody right now that's better than, uh, now the artist formerly known as Malcolm Bivens, probably going back to, uh, Stokely Hathaway. Uh, Great I'm so excited to see him get a live microphone uh, on AEW television. He's one guy that I don't understand how he never made it to the main roster. Uh, he shouldn't have even really been in developmental anyways. I think he spent enough time in Evolve and he was always uh, a great character. Uh, one of the better managers, I think, in like kind of this modern time and uh, definitely better than, I don't know, specific people that uh, manage Penta and in Phoenix. Oof. And um, I'm, I have to believe like, I don't want to be that guy that every time someone's released says AW needs to pick them up. But I think that he is one that absolutely should be, uh, kind of first on the list. The second that, that, uh, that, that non-compete ends. And I do want to say just, uh, I, I saw the reason on Bivens though, he was pretty vocal about the fact that he was not going to resign. So I have a feeling that he was, uh, more of a casualty around that rather than, uh, being a statement on his uh, talent or what they saw in him. Yeah. And then Athena also did a shoot interview with, um, was it Chris Van Vliet yeah. and talked about just the treatment, um, uh, not knowing what the fuck was going on from one week to another, um, doing the stupid job you out storyline so she could maybe come back and do something else. And then they just had nothing for her and making her travel around for no reason. Um, and then we'll talk about it in my news of the week later on, but I think it's a sad state when people who should be veterans don't want to be there anymore. Um, and it's not because they can't do it. It's just because the 
creative is so poor and it doesn't make any sense and it's all on impulse and you don't know where anything is coming from. It just sounds like an environment no one would want to be in. And when you're in a wrestling war, you want to make it attractive to talent to recruit them. And right now they're really setting themselves up for failure when these contracts go up on AEW side because they can't keep everyone under contract forever. And yeah, they're doing a good job with Cody, but are they going to do this good of a job with MJF if he came over there or Wardlow if he came over there? You don't know. It just doesn't make it attractive to people who could make that jump. Yeah. My news too is the NXT cuts. Uh, everything, everything's been said. Dakota Kai also got cut. I'm surprised that she was someone who never yeah. made, they made something of her in the uh, women's division. But I'm sure she could be a, a perfect candidate for AEW or stardom or nwa power like that's still a thing out there so plenty of things for these people out there but hopefully we get the malcolm bibbon stokely hathaway and aew i was surprised to see too crit or sean that they also had uh dexter loomis was one of the ones that got released um, yeah. which yeah i didn't really care for him too much uh but also he seemed to have been getting good reactions whenever i did catch him on an nxt event uh, and he also has been involved with a lot of stuff. So I, I was surprised, although I did see he's like 38 years old and every report I've seen is that mm-hmm. WWE wants mm-hmm. their developmental people to be 25 now, not in their thirties. Yeah. And I, I think I saw something from Meltzer on a podcast or something that these NXT cuts are just going to become just more and more common with the amount of the people that they're bringing in, whether it's NFL dropouts or uh, NCAA college wrestlers or models, there's, there's, inevitable going to be more people cut just because they don't meet the the luster of a WWE wrestler. And I think he's just one of those early victims of it. He was a big body and that's, uh, that's what they want. And he's just not going to mold into the wrestler that we're expecting to see. Yeah. It looks like the, uh, yeah, it's an interesting, I was going to say, I think it was something like every 90 days, essentially they're planning on. No, dang. You do want clarity on, if it's agenting reporting, so if it's like Shawn Michaels and whoever's running the performance center saying, okay, this person can or can't cut it, um, or if they're just projecting what Vince wants or what they think Vince wants, and therefore they get cut because they don't meet what Vince wants, or if he actually does himself watch what's happening. You want to know like more about what criteria they use. Um Cause you saw this weekend, there are so many like tweets and it could be just performatory things of just trying to be nice and stuff. But like, I can't believe Dakota's gone and like my sister and I'm going to miss her so much. And she's going to get, you know, signed by whomever, you know, gets, get, gets her hands on her next. You wonder why the, uh, the talent just can't group together and grab Vince and go, you got to get rid of fucking creative. Yeah. Like there's just, this sucks. Like you're releasing good people because you guys don't know what you're thinking. Yeah. And there was a, uh, there was a thing when it, what I read about Roderick strong was that they pitched to him a, uh, name change and he completely was like, no, I don't want a name change. I like that. That was kind of part of, I think what uh, led him to just eventually asking for his out. So, um, Chris, you kind of teased what your, uh, news of the week was, but why don't you uh, go into that? Yeah, so this is a kind of a hot take that came up during the early start of last week. Uh, Becky Lynch did an interview uh, on a podcast, and she mentioned that uh, she felt that the Raw women's locker room 
is the best in the industry. Uh, they have the biggest stars. They're represented the best and positioned the best. And there was a lot of, you know, back and forth on, you know, she's wrong. AEW's better. WWE's better. Da, 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 the usual pissing contest between uh, both companies and the tribalistic nature of both fan bases. Um, you know, I kind of think both sides are both both companies aren't doing the best that they could do. I think they're both underperforming. And I, and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this as well. Yeah, I think uh, WWE has bigger stars. It's I, To me, it's undeniable that Ron, Ronda Rousey is a huge star. Becky Lynch is a huge star. Uh, Bianca is a huge star. And then um, Bailey and Sasha and Charlotte Flair. So that's a lot of stars. And I don't think AEW has one that could truly compete with that on that level, just in terms of recognition and uh, carrying a show and selling a show and main in, in doing a main event um, for WrestleMania. They just, they're not at that level yet. They certainly can be. Um, but I don't think that they're represented any better. Um, you know, I don't think like Raw's roster has better representation. They could barely fill out the Royal Rumble. Um, there's only three people in it that had any chance of winning that were any that were had any kind of credibility. And then their queen of the ring tournament that wasn't too far ago lasted about the length of a fart. So I just don't know what they're <laughs> talking about. Like, yeah, I think AEW still needs some help though, when it comes to, uh, making more of their show focus on the women's division, but they also have less time. They do. And I think that you know, not only does AEW kind of lack having like that that big star, the the Charlotte or the Becky. Um, you know, obviously we do have Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, but uh, I think she needs another star that's at that same kind of level in order to really truly kind of boom things. Right? It's kind of you think Rock and Austin having each other to really you know make make that make each other bigger stars and everything like that so i think that you kind of need to have that because as great as i as much as i enjoyed Britt baker when she was the uh, champion there wasn't ever really a time where she was truly going up against someone that felt as big as her even when we knew that thunder rosa was going to win it was kind of it just felt like we knew that it was just thunder rosa's time but she didn't feel like as big of a star as brit so even Beating Brit didn't make her that big of a star. Um, so I think that that's really where it is, is they don't just need one person. They need two, which I guess you could say that they do already have the one. But having somebody like a Sasha jump over to AEW or a Charlotte, uh, I think would not only benefit you know that person because they'll instantly be the number one person at AEW, but it'll benefit Brit for having somebody that kind of matches in terms of Stark potential and quality on the women's side of the roster. Yeah. I mean, we've come a long way from where I started watching wrestling when bra and panty matches were a common SmackDown occurrence, but uh, to say either one's really doing better than the other, it's, it's maybe even too early to tell clearly WWE's had time to build up the, the four pillars of their women's division with Charlotte, the, NXT girls as they were or whatever. Um, but after that, there's, there's no talent in the ring. There's some, some, some building ones, but then there's just a lot of, a lot of fluff. Still some of that carryover. Why is she's got a great YouTube show, but why is Carmella still a thing with, but then you go over to AEW yeah. and once you get past Thunder Rosa, 
you can't consider Jade Cardgill because she's not great in the ring. Britt Baker, there's a steep decline in in theirs, but they still tell good stories through what whatever they have. Uh, Red Velvet can sometimes put her name into a a good storyline or good match, and there's something always kind of brooding between Jamie Hader and Britt Baker, but. <laughs> We don't always see it. It doesn't always end up in the, the best match there. So there's they both have stuff to work out on. And but we're definitely in a better spot than we used to be. Yeah, and I, the other thing I wanted to add too. I mean, I know Becky's obviously healing, and it's in kayfabe, it's in character, and it behooves her to say this is a strong division, or else it makes uh, her positioning look like shit. You're not going to say that I'm the top person. Um, and no one else is on my level because then it just, it's not going to sell and make anyone want to watch raw or SmackDown ever. Um, so I know she's doing kind of her part and she's proud of her company and she's proud of the positioning that she's in. That makes sense. But I think the good side of this debate though, is it does show again that there is an interest, um, from male fans in women's wrestling. Um, we love women's wrestling. It's great, but you do it right. And it's awesome storylines and great action. It's just as good. And it doesn't need to be a five-star match. It doesn't need to be, um, a Kenny Omega match. It's its own unique thing and you can still love it just as much. Um, and I do want to see things get better and I want to see better storylines. And I think we'll get there, uh, soon because AEW does have a lot of potential. So I don't think that they're, um, you know, willfully being, terrible in their storylines and plotting it's just it was an interesting debate and i wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it i did see one uh some reports over the last few days since forbidden door was announced that stardom in japan is really wants to work with AEW, and unfortunately they're not going to be able to at forbidden door because they actually have a big show that same night already uh so that that Mm. won't align but stardom a lot of there's they've actually like if you look at a lot of the even the men on the roster currently in AEW, uh, Lee Moriarty, I know is one for sure. A lot of their moves were innovated by stardom wrestlers. Um, you know, stardom, they, the, the women wrestling over there is treated way different than it's ever been here in the U S. So I think that that can easily catapult, uh, AEW into the conversation a little bit more, uh, and, and eventually, you know, have them truly be more objectively better than WWE because, WWE, sure, yes, they do have a lot more talent currently that is more ring time, more TV time. Um, but, you know, I mean, Kyrie Sane is in stardom again. So uh, that alone, and that's where Yo Shirai came from uh, and, and quite a few yeah. other big names. So uh, I actually just saw some clips um, from this past weekend's pay-per-view uh, that stardom had. And they're, they're doing some stuff in there that's incredible. I saw it upset Disco Inferno, which you always know is a good sign that you're doing something right. So um, let's move on to our cringe of the week. Uh, Chris, what did you have? God, what did I have as my cringe of the week? Oh, boy. This was cringy. Um, MJF summoning Enzo and Cass. Oof, I was scared shitless about this. I don't think we're getting now, Enzo. No Enzo. No real one. Now, I will say this. I'm very happy that Big Cass got his life together and that he's clean. And it, it, that that's aw- fucking awesome. That's so great to hear. I don't want to see Enzo. <laughs> However, if there's one great way to troll AEW fans, it's to bring Enzo in. Not permanently, but just a one-night appearance, him doing his thing. 
this is the same guy MJF who says he hates J- Japanese wrestling. <laughs> he hates New Japan. He doesn't want to be on Forbidden Door. Um, just all the heel things that he's done. That could be the most heel move ever is having Enzo be someone that's hanging around the pinnacle. So I was like, oh my God, I don't want to ever see these fucking guys again. Thinking about it a little bit more clearly, I was like, you know what? That could actually be really, really funny if he had Enzo there or if that's a way. Well, I don't know. But yeah, it's just uh, I was I was not uh, happy to hear that initially. And, and the other thing, too, is is like I like that they've done um, AEW's. Yeah, it's a huge promotion and it's a, but it's also a it's a it's an industry wide spotlight and they bring in so many people from different promotions to come in and do their thing and get time that they wouldn't have done. And Tony Khan does feature people that haven't been featured, which is great. That's awesome. At the same time, there's guys on the roster that they could put in the spot too. And they ran the storyline last summer with Jericho going through everyone in MJF's pocketbook to, you know, going through the seven pillars. This feels kind of like the same thing in a rehash. And I'd like to see them use Brian cage. Maybe he could pay off powerhouse Hobbs and team Taz. Um, so it's not an MJF verse almost like there, there was a Cody verse. Um, you know, you could use a little bit more cross pollination there and not just bring in outside guys to fuck up Wardlow. Yeah. You're, you're telling me you don't want to go back to the feeling you had, uh, WrestleMania weekend when Enzo's Italian entrance song, whatever the hell that was hit. That's Amore, baby. That's Amore. That's Amore. Yeah. <sighs> now, if he brings in Barry fucking Horowitz, <laughs> I'm in. That's the play. No, yeah, good for for Cass getting his life back together. But it would have been a, why not use Brian Cage? I mean, someone you have on the roster, but never throw around. It would have been a perfect monster to come back and kind of surprise you without really being that surprising. And I, so I don't think that we're getting Enzo. I think it's just going to be uh, now W Morrissey. That's his name nowadays. He doesn't really do anything that would showcase him being like an an impact. It would it would almost kind of make things weird for his impact character. If he, if Enzo were to come out with him, that's why I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I agree actually though. I think it'd be a great troll job by uh, MJF, but I also think that Enzo, I think that it would almost, I think Tony would be afraid because Enzo was so hated by the cat or by the hardcore fans back when he was in WWE, especially when he was the cruiserweight champion. I, j- I don't think that the, the, Oh my yeah, god! That's what that led that literally him being champion is why uh, Pac quit. He oh literally yeah, just left yeah. the WWE because he lost to him. So I don't think that Enzo's coming. Uh, I think that it's just going to be uh, Morrissey, uh, which hopefully he gets a Morrissey song, maybe some Smiths. That'd be nice cool. coming out too. Ooh, uh, but how soon is now? But I, I also think that I had the same thought that you did, where it feels like it's the same. It's a rehashing of the Jericho thing at this point, where it's. Every week you have to do this thing that doesn't work out for me. And then I try to like up the ante. And also I think it's weird that it's that Morrissey is almost being treated as a bigger deal than both of the AEW guys that were before. So the butcher, obviously we know how we all feel here. I'm clipping that for the show. Uh, And then also uh, Archer who Archer definitely had a better, a showing, I think showing still now if, it's weird with impact. Is he going to, are they going to have Morrissey who's been in the title hunt for them? Is he going to come in and get dominated? That doesn't seem likely, or is he going to come in and actually give Wardlow a really good fight, which at that point seems like an odd choice 
to have an outside person give Wardlow uh, the first real challenge versus somebody inside. Now, granted, they do have four weeks until double or nothing. So they have to fill a little bit of time. So like I can give them yeah. a little bit of credit, but like you could also do like, okay, what the fuck's going on with FTR? You talk about the pinnacle. What are they doing? Are they part of it? That could be a way to organically break up the stable is he's paying them to do extra stuff and they don't want to do it. Um, you know, they did have their little interaction on Twitter the other day where they said he was the rest of the week and they went back and forth. And, you know, so uh, I'd like to see something with FTR just to settle that storyline. Um, but also, too, that's a great way to make someone uh, heal to face as they don't want to do MJF's bidding and they don't want to be his bitch and paid goon um, because he's such an unsufferable person. So that's an organic way to switch someone over that you wanted to switch. Absolutely. I think um, I think that uh, you're, you're right in the sense that it is that we still have a long way to double or nothing. And this has been brewing essentially since the last since revolution. They can only do so much to delay. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they they do for the next few weeks to kind of draw it out for the final bit. Um, Sean, you and I had pretty much the same cringe of the week. I'll let you start. Yeah, I think uh, Sammy Guevara's officially kind of taken over the the Cody position in in the cringe category. It's <laughs> it's just so easy now. He makes it so fucking easy. There's no character to the kid. It's just some douchey little brat that you're sick of seeing. Uses too much tongue with his girlfriend, <laughs> and you just I'm sick of seeing all of that. Um, the, the the title's been moving around so fucking much that it's just kind of lost its luster. It, you know, kind of respect for it at this point, especially when it keeps going back and forth to Sammy Guevara. Um, match was just a spot fest of watch me do a flip and then you catch me in a cutter and let's keep doing this where i'm not gonna sell the the what was it barbed wire ladder barbed wire yeah i'm sick of them i was hoping like this would kind of make you think we won't see him on tv for a bit but i think we were kind of promised a mixed gender tag with him and page van or scorpio and page van's aunt I'm much rather see frankie kazarian scorpio sky fight for the the title than that but Hopefully one last Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti match and they'll be gone for a little bit. I mean, after Penta super kicked Ty Conti this past weekend at AAA. Doing the Lord's work. <laughs> I don't think I, don't, I saw people saying, can we set up a GoFundMe for him? Like not even because he needs it, but just to thank him. And you throw a couple uh, dollars in the ring. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought that the match, there was a lot of spots that it felt like were very similar to the Cody ladder match, which makes it a little bit less special, first of all. And then the other kind of area that I had a, had trouble with was all of the no-selling, the stupid spot of the, uh, what was that, a 450 he tried to pull off, off the ladder. Um, yeah. Which Sky didn't catch him, but even if Sky hurt. did catch him there, that wouldn't have ended well for Sky. Yeah. And also, like, Sammy got no... He like basically like grazed the ladder the whole like he got he did not move off the ladder at all so I don't really blame Scorpio in that sense for not uh, being there to to kind of help break his fall so I, I thought that it just felt like a bunch of trying to trying to impress with crazy spots rather than actually putting on a good match the positive of the match for me was that Sky got a great reaction it was kind of cool to see things flip him be a face and get that win yeah uh, because that. You know, when he first got it, it was kind of like, eh, nobody really likes, uh, 
you know, Lambert's team, but nobody's liking Sammy right now. So it really just, it kind of fell flat. So that was a positive. And then just addressing the kind of hot potatoing of the title. I agree. And the sad thing is, is it'd be okay if this title was moving to different people, but this constant going back and forth is where I have a problem when it's, that's what me means. It feels like, do you remember a few years ago when uh, Charlotte and Sasha literally every week were changing who had the women's title? So like Charlotte got like six or seven of her current title reigns, like out of that, which shouldn't even matter. Um, it makes it meaningless at that point. And then it makes your total number of reigns meaningless. I think that AEW, if it wants to be a kind of more sports oriented wrestling show should really look at title defenses as being the number that you're measuring against rather than the number of title times you've won the title. Because if you've won it eight times, that means you've lost it eight times. Great point. You took the words out of my mouth. I think that's what's hurting the credibility of the title is the fact that it hasn't gone on to some of the other folks that you want to see have more representation. A Malachi Black and Andrade, um, a Pac, uh, Penta, um, guys that people would love to see have a run for a couple of weeks with it at least. And it's just going back to Sammy and then Scorpio on an underwhelming run who deserves a overwhelming run he didn't get a chance to defend it really um and that let a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths and you can't put him in a position to succeed if he's got dan lambert taking his heat and he's got all those guys with um and Paige van zandt's cucked husband and just <laughs> there's all those like people out there where just too much shit going around and it is confusing so um yeah, and and uh, I I did like the spot though of like the referencing that famous cutter and Scorp was ready for it. I thought that was at least clever. Um, both of these guys are great athletes, but there just was you know there were some botches, and it's just uh, it's almost like too soon. Like they've like had didn't there was a ladder match? I guess just recently wasn't there or they well they one? I don't know. They it just had seems the like this was... the one at Revolution. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it feels like. Not only have they had a couple of ladder matches recently, Sammy had a ladder match recently when it was within the same type of a situation where it was a hot, the title was hot potatoing at the time. Um, so it just kind of all felt I don't, it rushed or I, it's like, why did they have to go that route? I think Sammy's character kind of tried to make a claim like, oh, the ladder match is my match. Weird thing to say when you have Jeff Hardy in your uh, company now, but uh, we'll we'll go with it. Um, so yeah, I, I just think that overall it was a very black match, but happy to see Sky come out on top and hopefully he'll actually get some good defenses now. And, uh, he's moving on to him and Kazarian, which will be an uh, interesting match to see. So, um, let's move on to our anticipation though, and, uh, head right into it. Chris, you and I, once again, a little bit of corporate synergy, uh, I'll let you kind of start with it. Oh, I'm I, I'm going to go off the script Ooh. here, so I'm changing More mine news. up. More no, breaking news. Uh-huh. I sent you a text today asking if anything changed. That's true. He did. And I changed it on you just now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm excited about the the Tony Nese and Hook pairing. I think that's going to be really fucking great. Um, we've been big Tony Nese fans, like surprisingly super into Tony Nese and wanting him to have a shot. And I like the premier athlete gimmick. It works great against a guy like hook who has this quasi real athlete himself by being a lacrosse player and somewhere up in upstate New York. Um, and then with his like real shooting background with, with his dad, Taz or uh, Taz hook has a 
unique look and he's going to mesh well with Tony Nese. And that's a great pairing. I'm not as big into the uh, Hook and Danhausen relationship, but it's been entertaining as hell. And uh, I'm excited to see where this goes now. Um, before, because at first I was like, eh, eh, whatever. But I like their interaction they had on Rampage. That was a lot of fun. It was very cute. And uh, I think they'll be a good pairing together. I'm excited for where this feud is going to go. But I really want to see Tony Nese and Hook wrestle. I think that's going to be a really cool matchup. And we'll get a chance to see Hook with someone who's a great, great worker. Yeah, it's exciting to see Hook in a real feud. And even the way that I love in the the Hook and Danhausen kind of moment there, Danhausen's doing his cursing and it's not doing anything to Tony Nese. Tony Nese is still coming up, but then Hook stands up and starts walking towards it and Tony Nese runs away. Hook or Danhausen seems to think that his his cursing is what what made it happen. Uh, so right. I, I like I like the aspect of of them really of they're they're kind of leaning into the goofiness, right? And and the fact that like Hook is the badass of the group. He's going to carry them when they are whatever their pairing is. It'll be you know Hook that's actually the the true um, you know guy that's got that that wrestling potential rather than the character potential so much. So I thought that they did a really good job with that. I'm super excited to see uh, Tony and um, Hook hopefully go af- go at it and and get to see uh, you know what Hook can really do because. Um, Friend of the show, Anthony Henry, uh, did not get a great showing against him uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's just the perfect pairing of two people who are just over with the crowd for vastly different reasons. But the the hijinks that Dan Hasen will get those hook into, it'll just, it'll, it'll be perfect. And Hook will put on a great showing no matter. Those two wrestlers, Tony Nese and, and Hook, fantastic body guys. That'll be a great match. Me, right, what John, I'm looking forward your, yeah. to? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Not that you asked. <laughs> um, I just kind of mentioned it earlier, House of Black and uh, Death Triangle. I think that's going to be a great uh, great pairing. I would. I got a, I got a little bit of, and you got to deal with me here, I got a little bit of fantasy booking in my head. Of It'd be great for them to okay. finally introduce trios titles to AEW. And these two, perfect match to do it to. If you wait all the way to double or nothing, that would make tremendous sense for it um and then two i'm kind of sick of Pac in death triangle i think you could easily get him out of there you bring andrade in have him kick alex's apprehentice's head right in you bring in jose you got that nice little body on that guy just perfect make it like uh like i don't know how to say triangle in spanish triangula de muerte make it full spanish mm. just go straight into it lucha style throw the mask back on I love it. And then House of Black, fantastic. I want to see Brody King shine. I, I would love for MJF to give him a call to uh, fuck up Wardlow, make the make him take a beating from that dude. But Just love these two pairings and uh, can't wait for him to finally come to blows. That amount of pay-per-view is just going to be an incredible match. And they, they have a chance to steal the show every time they uh, these guys get in the ring. And uh, really excited to see what they can do. Chris, did you have anything to add there? Yeah. I love how Pox eye injury is healed, but Julia hearts still is not <laughs> there. There's something to I it. Apparently like the 10, 10- there was something came out on dark. Uh, yeah. That moment's the moment's been passed. It's, it's so over. Like, it, but do the, it. <laughs> this, lose the patch. 
Well, because it, it made me think of Pac. I was like, I, you know, I love that guy. He's so great. And the wrestlers like him, too. But he does go away on these excursions for the- a long period of time. And I wish they had some fake explanation for it and storyline and explanation why Pac is always gone. It's- he, it just would be such a great thing to have to show a little bit of coherency to it. Um, Cause I just don't understand why he's gone all the fucking time. And granted, I love how they rotate people out. Like I said before, AEW is a showcase and it's a spotlight and you're not, you're not going to see everyone week to week, but he is so goddamn yeah. random when he's there. And each time he comes back, it almost feels like it has diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, you're back again. It's so often and you have to heat him up to, to bring him back. And then it's just, yeah, it, you're doing too much. And eventually we're going to get burnt out. It feels at this point like he returns once a month. Yes. And it's mm-hmm. amazing. <laughs> um, I'll, and then I'll move. Oh, he's fucking great, though, when he does. The, yeah, when he yeah. is there, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and then I'll move into my anticipation and, and Chris's real anticipation. Uh, and it's the build to <laughs> Hangman and uh, CM Punk for Double or Nothing. You know, when when Punk finally made his return, uh, the first dance in Chicago, we all were wondering how long it would be until we got to see him in the title hunt. And here we are. It's here. I think it's really exciting to think that it's going to be taking place against hangman because this might be the place where you can turn CM punk now, especially because it's not a pay-per-view that's in Chicago since every other one is. Um, and it's a bummer that they weren't able to have hangman there due to, uh, some COVID related issues, because I think that that changed probably the way that that, uh, that that was going to go in terms of the announcement and everything like that. But overall, um, I'm, stoked for how that match will go uh, i'm excited to have a, a hangman match where i'm not sure how it's going to end i think the last few it's been pretty clear that he was going to beat uh i almost said adam page adam cole uh and then even lance archer as well so um and then the other guy from uh the blackpool uh, combat club so i'm excited to uh see how that goes Someone was about to perform some fucking yeah, street magic there. And uh, yeah, let's not let's not hang on Hangman. Anyone can get vaccinated and uh, <laughs> get all sorts of booster shots and still just randomly catch COVID and miss an important show. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. <laughs> Don't fuck with them. Um, yeah, I, I, just echoing your thoughts. I, I have no clue who's going to win this. Uh, this is a great main event. It feels like I no idea how they're going to wrap this one up and where the next logical turn is. Um, I fantasy booked actually in that article on forbidden door and wrestling thinking that it's going to be CM Punk that gets the nod. Maybe hangman's going to be the ace. Maybe he's going to be their Okada and he does have a lengthy as fuck run. And that's logical. When they started the company, it was all, all you heard was it was going to be hangman being the top guy and he's the future and he's the guy, he's the guy. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I think there's a great organic storyline of, you know, alcohol uh, that could be played into it. And that could be something they do. Maybe they do that later down the line. They don't rush that because Sam Punk was baby face as fuck and and Philly uh, on Wednesday. He was very, um, he kept saying to the wheels go off. I'll keep fighting and I'll be your champion. And it was almost like a Cena-esque promo from him. Um, He came off very, 
earnestly and it wasn't a way to foreshadow a turn too. So it doesn't think like it, it doesn't feel as if he's going to be the heel at all. Yeah. I think we could both be right. Chris, when you say CM Punk and Okada and I say champion versus champion, this, this could all happen at forbidden door, but uh, I, I don't, I just don't know if it's or how time. About they pin themselves at the same time. And then they have the time. Like, I just love how your face just drained all the, <laughs> oh. just all the joy in your face just got drained. Let's do a double pin and then they can have a triple threat match and then they can have a special guest referee uh, that gets distracted and then gets knocked out and they do a schoolboy for the for the pin. Perfect. Everyone wins. Go home for the next couple of weeks. We don't need your writers. Feels like you just spoil <laughs> it feels like you just spoiled it for everybody. <laughs> oh Ugh. God, no. The one thing I'll say about Forbidden Door 2, I know this isn't on the sheet at all, but uh and I'm I'm gonna mispronounce it. The the New Japan show they had this weekend. Dontaku. Jay White came back, attacked Okada. Yeah, and like I wonder if they're setting up just Okada and Jay White, and it's not going to be Okada versus Danielson or Punk. It could just be both titles getting defended. Um, you know, Okada just put out a. Uh, he said something this week where he was basically insinuating that. Um, He's like, you don't do Forbidden Door without me there. And then the president of New Japan said that it'll be heated rivalries between AEW and New Japan people. So um, good. Okay. I'm actually coming out of this a little bit more. Uh, I'm, hmm. I'm getting more and more closer to Chris's side on this uh, as time goes on. So good. Uh, well, that'll uh, that'll wrap up the show for us this week. Follow us on Twitter uh, and Instagram at Wrestling Elitist Podcast. This is our first time trying a uh, new system to record, and we're going to try to put out some clips if I can figure out how to do that. So keep your eye out on our Instagram page for that. Uh, visit WrestlingElitist.com for our latest match reviews and articles, and please help support the show by giving us a five-star review wherever you stream your podcasts and share it with your friends that are also wrestling fans. Rick Rude, play us out. Hit the music.